As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. As news spreads around the ground, it'll create tension. It'll get people to do silly things because they don't handle pressure well, these teams. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really forward to it. I think it's going to be a crazy day. These are clubs who, certainly in Brighton and Brentford's case, who laid the foundations for smart ownership, for good recruitment a decade or so ago and are still reaping the rewards of that. And I, and I, I don't see any reason why they can't continue to progress up. There was one final twist in this horrible season for Chelsea. It just wouldn't surprise me if Pochettino decided, you know what, it's not for me, and walked away. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Dan Bardell and it's time for the Weekend Preview. I'm joined by George Ellick, Tim Spears and Bet365 Steve Freeth. With the title sewn up, the top four sealed and Europa League qualification taken care of, the final day drama is mainly down at the bottom. With Everton, Leeds and Leicester all out for survival, we'll weigh up their chances as the Premier League season comes to a close. That's all to come here on the Weekend Preview. So we're going to start with that relegation shootout coming this Sunday. Everton, Bournemouth, Leicester, West Ham and Leeds v Tottenham. George, at the end of March, there were just four points between nine teams from 12th to 20th in what looked like it could be the biggest relegation battle of all time. But on the final day, it's only two from three. But that's still pretty exciting, unless you support those teams, of course. How are you assessing it ahead of Sunday? Yeah, I mean, there's no denying that Everton are in the are in the box seat. You know, they've got a home game against Bournemouth. If they win that, it doesn't really ma- matter what happens with Leicester and Leeds. They, they will be staying up and those two sides will be going down. I do think Dean Smith came in for some criticism by the wider footballing community with his team selection before the Newcastle game by when dropping James Madison and Harvey Barnes. I, I think he got it absolutely spot on. I think getting a point in that game... Yes, they didn't really go for the all three or three points, but it does completely change the outlook of this relegation picture right now where they've muscled their way ahead of ahead of Leeds. They know that they have the better goal difference than Everton. And they're now aware that if they can win their, their last game of the season at home to West Ham, 
A, that relegates Leeds and B, that means that a draw for Everton isn't good enough. I think if we'd seen Leicester approach the Newcastle game in the same manner they've been playing their previous games, shipping goals, you know, looking to attack where possible, I think Newcastle would have picked them off incredibly easily. Yes, you know, they they lived on the edge. Newcastle did have chances, but um, in terms of the way the actual game went, I thought they managed it pretty well and, and, you know, how close did they come to nicking it right at the end with their only shot um, in injury time late on. So I, I do think that does give this a different picture now. And especially because, you know, there are two ways of looking at the, the West Ham side of things. You know, it is a week and a half before the um, the European final. So it's it's probably too soon for David Moyes to be resting players. And I guess you could argue that certain players are going to want to make sure that they're, they're firmly in his thinking with a good performance here. But I do think there is going to be a bit of a preseason friendly feel to this where it's going to be a incredibly important to these players that they don't get injured and they don't miss out on the opportunity to play in that final. And I think it's going to be hard for them to, to kind of match the intensity of a Leicester side who know that they need to win to, to, to do it. For Leeds, I think it's it's really hard now to see them staying up because not only do they have to get a, a result against a Spurs side with a lot to play for, but they've also got to hope that the two teams above them who have fairly favourable fixtures at home um, do slip up. The, the injury to Dominic Calvert-Lewin for Everton is is a huge factor, in my opinion, in terms of their ability to beat Bournemouth. He's not ruled out as of yet. Doubtful is the word, you know, coming out of the club. It does feel unlikely that he's going to be there. He, he completely changes the way that, that they play. And, you know, when we saw them demolish Brighton the other day, it was, it was certainly led by Calvert-Lewin for the most part. So... All to play for, definitely. I think Everton, obviously the most likely to stay up, but I do think Dean Smith may have played a bit of a blinder in terms of what he did against Newcastle um, earlier in the week. Yeah, it could be one of those by the end of Sunday where you look back and say, that was a massive point going to Newcastle and getting a point at St. James's. Steve, there's lots of prediction models out there saying that it's it's in Everton's hands and they are the favourites for survival, as George just said. But how did Bet365 see it? Yeah, George has talked an awfully good game there, making it sound like a real nail-biting. But if you look at the odds, really, <laughs> it's not really nail-biting. Uh, one to 33 leads to be relegated, Leicester at one to six and, and Everton at three to one. So, yeah, very much in, in Everton's hands. And it's not the first time that Everton have been at Goodison on the final day and needing to win a game of football. I particularly remember 94 when there was a loads of teams uh, fighting it out. Mike Walker was was in charge of them there. They were against Wimbledon and they went 2-0 down to Wimbledon after 20 minutes. And then they were 3-2 up at a very raucous Goodison Park with, with 10 minutes to go through through Graham Stewart. So that, that was 94, that was 98. And then last season we saw it against Crystal Palace, didn't we? On their final home game of the season um, where they went 2-0 down. But the fans stuck with Everton, didn't they, then? And they got behind them and, and, and they were safe by winning 3-2. But I suppose it was a different side then with Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin uh, also in the side. I mean, my concerns now would be if, if Everton did go behind, maybe by a couple of goals, and would they get behind the team? It, the atmosphere could, could change and could get quite toxic. They'll certainly be with them at the start of the game and they're very much you know in the box seat. And Leeds, again, being on the final day, it's nothing new to them. They were here last season. They were, they were in the bottom three, but it was it was Burnley who went down after they won at uh, Brentford. I think they were safe before Jack Harrison scored down there in injury time. I think they finished with nine men, Brentford, and it, it went well with them. Rafina scored for them then, but it's an injury-hit squad now, isn't it? And they're very much going to struggle. No Calvin Phillips either. Of course, he was there last season. And Leicester, well, it's just all gone wrong for them, having won the Premier League seven years ago and one to six to be in the Championship. So I'd love it to be finally poised. We'll be betting it and running. I'd love it to be now barting ups and downs and everything like that, but... It all looks pretty plain to me and quite obvious. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I just think, I think all three may win. 
their games. I think they're a, they're a decent set of fixtures. All three teams are at home, Tim. How significant is, is that? Because it, it can affect teams in, in different ways. Like Steve says, if someone of a team was to go behind. But I actually think all those games and all those sets of fans, whilst those teams are in the game and the game's not got away from them, even if they're behind, I think they'll they'll stick with them. Yeah, they probably will. I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure I agree that we're looking at sort of three home wins here. They're, these are three very bad football teams who who have not won matches consistently over a prolonged period of time. You know, that's where they are and they've and they've consistently been unable to handle pressure. So I'm I'm not sure to be honest. I mean, the, as for the home aspect, none of them are good at home. So if if you look at the home table, Leeds are 16th, Everton are 18th and Leicester are 19th. You know, they've got nowhere near the sort of record that Nottingham Forest had, which is, you know, their, their top 10 for a, yeah. for their home record, which is why they stayed up. But yeah, Leicester are utterly miserable at home. They've won four from 18. Everton, five from 18, but only 15 goals in those 18 home games, which is just, you know, astonishingly bad. Leeds are a little different. Yes, they've got a poor home record, but they've only lost six matches at home, so they're slightly harder to beat. That's as many as Tottenham. It's only one more than Villa, only one more than Brighton. So Leeds don't win many at home, but they don't lose many. Obviously, that's, not necessarily any good for the weekend because they have to win, but yeah, just in in terms of just kind of, I do get it. They've all got they've all got home games that you might hand pick, but under their current managers, Everton, Leicester, and Leeds, they've only won five five games of their last twenty seven. So Dice has got four wins from seventeen. Smith's got one in seven, and Allardyce yet to get off the marker in his three games. So it's five in twenty seven to kind of expect them all to win on the final day. I I, I really don't think it'll happen to be honest, and I think. Whoever's game state is going to be so important. That early goal, it'll ripple around the grounds. Mm. It can be madness on the final day. I was at Anfield last season when Wolves fans were pretending that Man City had scored and, and it just causes absolute <laughs> carnage. Yeah, it does yeah, cause carnage. Yeah. And, and you know, Everton haven't won at home for two and a half months. So I, I think it's all to play for, to be honest. I, I'm expecting a bit of a crazy day and, and anyone can stay up, including Leeds. You were you would have been at that. I can't remember what season it was. Maybe it was two thousand and ten, two thousand and eleven, when Wolves were involved in that really big game against Blackburn, Blackburn and Gold. Yeah, were flying, in, flying yeah. in everywhere, weren't they? It's uh, it's, it's tough to be. That there was insane. So, so, you know, on, yeah. on that on that day, um, Wolves were Wolves were three 0 down, and then they came back to three two, and it was that second goal that meant they were staying up because they were still losing, but they were staying up on goals scored, and then news of that went to White Hart Lane when Birmingham then needed to score. They went forward uh, and ended up conceding on the counter-attack. So, yeah, as news spreads around the ground, it'll create tension. It'll get people to do silly things because they don't handle pressure well, these teams. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a crazy day. Yeah, Tim already said, George, between the three sides, only Everton have won in any of their last five, and that was the 5-1 win at Brighton, which does feel like a little bit of a anomaly. There's no point really looking at the form guide, is there? I don't know. I, I think if Calvert Lewin was fit here, I, I'd be I'd be more confident with with Everton. Yeah, that's a, that's a big problem for Everton, isn't it, yeah. Calvert Lewin? Because they're a different team. He transformed completely. Them. Yeah, and, and I think if he was here, then then you'd look at that bit of form against Brighton. You think to yourself, well, if they can replicate even fifty percent of that level of performance, then they'd probably be be home and hosed here and get the win that they need. To to mean it doesn't matter against Leicester and, and Leeds. In terms of Leeds' form, I think you can probably. But some, you know, given that it's, it's it's Big Sam in and he's only had three games there, you can probably look at their performances and you know, obviously haven't gone ahead against West Ham. It was it was a, a, a you know not a particularly 
good performance in, in terms of not being able to see that out. But I think we've seen some signs, certainly more so than, than at the back end of, of Javi Gracia's reign with Leicester. Who knows? Because, you know, we can be fairly confident they're not going to set up with a back seven again, are they? So, because um, they need to go, go ahead and win this game. So, yeah, form book kind of goes out the window to an extent. But, you know, maybe it's the the, the positions and the, the, you know, the where their opposition are here with it basically being a dead rubber for, for West Ham and Bournemouth, but Spurs still needing a, a result um, if they want to secure that final European spot. Um, maybe that's more pressing than the um, than the, uh, the the form of the teams coming into it. And how's the match betting looking to do? Crazy last days. We Dan, the odds on the last day don't reflect the the other thirty seven games of the of the season. What normally happens if you get a motivated team, you normally put half a goal uh, on the team that needs to win. And likewise, the the actual goals market itself, you probably up the goal line by a by a quarter as well. So. You normally expecting extra goals on on the final day. I mean, I mean, just for example, Leeds—they're not actually favourites to to beat Tottenham. Tottenham are, but they wouldn't be anywhere near seventeen to ten to win this game. They'd be more that they'd be closer three to one. And likewise, Everton, who are four to nine to beat Bournemouth, Everton will probably be around the eight to eleven mark to win that. But they are favourites, and there's no way on this earth that Leicester will be odds on to beat West Ham um, at home, despite West Ham, you know, being on the beach. But I suppose if it was a normal competitive game then they wouldn't be anywhere near odds on. And, and we talked about all the three home sides winning just. That's currently plays around 13 to 2. Under normal circumstances, that will be touching 20 to 1 for all these three sides, due, say, during a normal weekend during the season. So, yeah, the odds are a lot shorter on the teams that need to win. But as we know, as bookmakers know, it doesn't always happen like that. Yeah, I mean, is it possible to call who has the easiest game? Tim, let's, let's pretend Wolves are still involved in this scrap home. We wish, obviously. Oh, it's been a long time under, since Wolves were involved podcast. in this uh, relegation. Here he comes. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you had to choose a game at home as, as a Wolves fan against any of those three op- opposition, who who would you choose? Because I feel like Spurs, I don't think they want Europa Conference League, if, if I'm being perfectly honest. West Ham do have the cup final coming up and Bournemouth were safe a long time ago. Uh, knowing Spurs as I do, I, I'd, even though they're the ones with something to play for, I would genuinely handpick Spurs, to be honest. They're, yeah. they're so they're so soft, they're so brittle. They're they're not up for a fight at all. You know they wilted against Brentford last weekend. Although it was a totally humiliating way to end their home season. Uh, what what that, chance that, this is Kane's last ever Spurs game? I don't know really. I, it's, I there's just there aren't there aren't many noises that he's that he's sort of imminently about to leave. Um, there was a lot, yeah. There was a lot of talk on the, on the commentary on the TV last week that oh, he's, he's scored in what could be his final home game. I'm not, I'm not hearing anything. You know, a, a player like him, you'd expect a lot of speculation about where he's mm. about to move to. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, possibly you might be right. And and he's he's the difference. He's the best player in all these 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 three games we're talking about. I mean, Spurs are a, a Spurs are a one man team more than anyone else in the league. I think. I mean, he scored a high percentage of his team's goals than anyone else, including Erling Haaland. Uh, if you take his goals away from matches, they're like 24 points worse off, I think it is. So it's insane how influential he is. If he doesn't score, I do think Leeds will beat Spurs. As you said, Dan, Conference League means nothing. I mean, they basically forfeited it the last time they were in it. So yeah. there's no motivation there. I guess if you look at the other teams, Bour- Bournemouth are in the worst form. I think they've lost three in a row. You know, they'll want to end the season on a high, but I think you question their motivation for this one. But if Everton don't score early, I, you know Bournemouth play some nice stuff, and I, I could see them. I could certainly see them nicking a goal and making it very tense atmosphere. And West Ham's a difficult one because they're in really good form. What does Moyes do? I guess he wants to keep his players in a rhythm. 
if say he rests Rice and Paqueta and and Bowen, it'll be seventeen days between matches for them. You know, from last week's mm. game to the Europa League Conference Final, seventeen days, which is too long. So I'd imagine Moyes will want to keep them in a bit of a rhythm. But then for those who are playing, the fear of injury will be great, uh, as George was saying earlier. So you'd imagine that would suit what you think would be an ultra competitive Leicester. But yeah, obviously, as I said, they're in good form. So yeah, of the three, I'd uh, I'd pick Spurs. I mean, this isn't trivia, but guys just typed, our producers just typed something in the chat saying Harry Kane is the top scorer on the final day in Premier League history, scoring nine goals. It's where, it's where he stat pads, isn't it? It's where he scores his five to get up to 28. <laughs> That's a joke, a Spurs stat. fans. It's a, it's a good stat there. Good stat there, that. George, it's time for a for a hero to come forward. A one-year has been that man for Forrest. His goals have saved them in the back end of the season. If you had to pick a name of someone that's going to come and, and be the hero for one of these teams, who would you back? Yeah, it's hard without Calvert-Lewin in there. I mean, he'd be the one, if, if he was fit, that you'd anticipate would be the, the hero for Everton. Um, if, he, if he isn't fit, then who are we going to see starting up front? Is it going to be Damari Gray, who you know isn't obviously a natural striker, but was the one who came on for, for Calvert-Lewin when he, when he went off last time? Will it be Neil Morpé, who would be a, a pretty unlikely hero given how his Everton career has gone thus far? Um, Abdoulaye Dukoure is one who, you know, it's obviously been given proper license to get forward by by Sean Dyche, and maybe he'll be the the option. Or could it be a set piece, as we see so often? Um, maybe the much maligned Michael Keane returning could return to the side, and uh, that would be some story. But more likely, Mina or Tarkovsky. I do think that the romantics choice here is surely that Jamie Vardy scores the goal to, mm. to keep Leicester up. Um, that would be some story or is it a redemption you know you have to think that if Patrick Bamford had tucked that penalty away to put Leeds 2-0 up a couple of weeks ago they might not be in the situation that they're in right now so um, yeah Bamford or, or Vardy would be would be the obvious choices if there is to be an upset So Tim it's come down to Everton, Leicester and Leeds with Southampton already gone and it's the first time since 27-18 that none of the promoted sides are going straight back down I mean this feels very much like a question for EFL George but it's been directed at you it's good that Fulham, Bournemouth and Nottingham Forest have stayed up isn't it? It, it it is good, yeah, and I've been impressed by them all in very sort of different ways, really. I mean, Fulham have played some fabulous football. Uh, the old recency bias, you know, I saw a few sort of raised eyebrows when Marco Silva was on the Manager of the Year shortlist, but some of the football they played in the first half of the season in particular, you know, with Mitrovic, uh, Willian, Pereira, very front foot, attractive, stylish. I remember that Villa, that Villa game, Dan, I'm sure you remember it very well. They absolutely dismantled Villa at home. It's one of the. It, you, but, say, you say, do I remember it well? I'd been drinking all day and I was in a right state. <laughs> but it was um, was that was that that was Gerald's last game, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, I just remember thinking that this is as good as a non sort of top six team can play. Really, Th- that they were that good. It was it was perfect. Um, they didn't sort of replicate that enough over the rest of the season as, as Brighton sort of did. But still, yeah, magnificent season. And Paulinho, you know, pound for pound, probably probably my yep. sign-in of the season. Certainly my Mine sort too. of, my favourite sign-in um, to watch. And then Bournemouth, you know, we all said they were doomed very recently, really. Um, obviously, Gary Neville's d- done a remarkable job. It could be the start of a, of a very promising managerial career. And he's got them playing, you know, they're not just smash and grab. I like watching them play. And Forrest, it's been an almighty struggle. Um, but somehow... Amid the 152 signings, Steve Cooper's managed to create a team spirit, which I think is his greatest achievement. And, you know, they, they look unified on and off the pitch. And uh, that bond between the fans and Steve Cooper's, re- you know, it's really special, actually. And I've got, you've got to pay cre- credit to Marinakis because, you know, <laughs> half the Premier League or more has sacked their managers this season. 
and he loves to do that. So to stick with him all the way, even as even as recently as a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking he could still he could still bin him off for the last couple of games if they need a win. But he hasn't, so he deserves credit too for sticking with Cooper. Right then, with the battle for survival discussed, next we're going to get into Conference League qualification. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right then, let's look at the Europa League conference deciders. Aston Villa at home to Brighton, Tottenham are away at Leeds and Brentford coming from nowhere at home to Manchester City. George Villa and Brentford with Brighton already securing Europa League qualification are battling it out with Spurs for that final European qualification position. How refreshing is it that it's you know not the stereotypical top six going for Europe this season? It's great and I don't see why this will be a one-off. You know, we've seen it in the past that sometimes... Um, sides or clubs have one very good season and kind of regress to the mean but from where I'm sitting right now certainly Brighton I expect will continue to build as long as Deserby is there as long as Tony Bloom's in charge a sixth place finish this season is is secured and they I can guarantee you'll have aspirations to, to build on that and go even better next season with Villa and Unai Emery um, even though Villa have been unable to to show this level of form of that they have over the last couple of months previously we know that Villa's owners are incredibly ambitious we know again that the funds are there to recruit at the very highest level and now with a manager who um, has got a, a very good tune out of this out of this set of players I don't see any reason why Villa would, would regress. And even Brentford, where Brentford's success seems to be normalised, but they're sitting there down in uh, in ninth. If Villa and Spurs were to lose on final day and Brentford were to win, then they would break into that um, Conference League spot. I don't think these are flukes. I think this is, we're finally seeing, you know, these are clubs who, certainly in Brighton and Brentford's case, who laid the foundations for, for smart ownership, for good recruitment a decade or so ago and are still reaping the rewards of that. And I, and I I don't see any reason why they can't continue to progress up, especially as you know they I'm sure will will cash in on certain players and be able to reinvest that money well. So brilliant to see. And yeah, I think the days of the big six, you know, I think it, it might be a big two or three going forward with a, a group beneath them. That's the thing, isn't it? Brighton, Brentford, and Villa all got good owners, mm. and all have got the right manager now. I mean, it's not it's not that difficult, Tottenham. It really isn't. Steve, is there any stopping Villa making it back into Europe? What do the odds say? Back back into Europe? Have you been in Europe? That's what it says in the that's what it says in the script. Have you been in Europe before, Villa? Are you sure? Not for the last decade Are you or sure? so. Sure, I, I don't remember you winning anything in Europe. We've we've done it. We've done a few little bits and pieces in Europe over the years before I was born. Oh right, okay. Uh, unfortunately not, Dan. You are rock-solid favourites to get that, that seventh place. Uh, four to seven, I, I, I make it for you to to finish in that all-important spot with Spurs at seven or four and Brentford out with a Washington at 12. And I spoke to you earlier in the week, didn't I, about who who 
you thought was Villa Villa's player of the season. Um, I just wanted to check that I, I thought Mings had had a cracking season. I just wanted clarification from from a Villa guru like yourself, and and, and you you did say uh, he would be one of your choices. Um, and I actually put him in my uh, my Premier League team of the season, Mings Ford. What we, did what you? we talked about this Fair season, and what he's been through. I also put Emery as my manager of the season. I didn't put you as the pundit of the season, though, Dan. Fortunately, no, so I, could, I don't think many. Would. I couldn't. I couldn't have put you all, all three of you in, but. It's looking good. You're playing a Brighton side who, who are all sealed for for Europe. They're, you're even money to beat them. You're in pole position, and it looks uh, and it looks very good times for uh, for the mighty Aston Villa. So yeah, looking good for for Europe next season. Get the passport ready, pal. Yeah, I've checked it. It's in date, so that's so that's good. Team Tottenham still without a manager, as we've discussed. When Conte was sacked, Spurs were fourth on 49 points. They've picked up eight points from their last nine games. Is there any end to the Spurs fans' term? I mean, they haven't got a manager. They haven't really got a defence either, in fairness. <sighs> no, they've not got much at all, really, Dan. Um, yeah, they were going third that day at Southampton when they were 3-2 <laughs> up in the 93rd minute. Um, it's remarkable, even for Spurs, how it's all sort of fallen apart. I mean, just a shambles, really, you've got to say. Utter shambles, on and off the pitch. Slot at Feyenoord not joining this week is sort of the latest chapter both sides trying to save face with that one. Not sure where the truth lies, really, um, in who turned who down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, they're just desperate. They're desperate for the season to end. Do you know what? It, uh, I bet Ryan Mason's kicking himself because if he'd managed to get one more win, maybe two more wins, you know, he's, he's, he's only registered one win so far against Palace, one nil at home. But if he'd won a couple more games, it, it's, it's probably his job now. You know, Spurs are entering 2021 territory when I think they took 72 days to eventually appoint Nuno, who's like their 10th choice. I can't believe it's happening again, but it does feel like it is. So yeah, they're desperate for the season to end, but in terms of um, changes at Spurs, there's a lot more that needs to happen in the very near future. Do you take any responsibility for, for Spurs this season yourself? I mean, no. things felt like they were going quite well. <laughs> no, quite, you know, they did, they'd snuck forth. They're in, in Europe. They're, they'd, everyone felt they'd won the transfer window. People were the, saying the, there the were title time. challenges in the summer as well. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then Tim Spears comes on board. And look what <laughs> no, happens. but come on. My, my last game was, was they beat Forest at home and then next week was the Southampton game when Conte... Uh, Blues top and oh, so actually, so they've, sacked, yeah, they've, the sacked, they've, they've sacked two managers and a director of football's had to go because he's banned from football <laughs> since then. Uh, so it's it's not my fault, Dan. It's, it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot going wrong at Spurs. It's nothing to do with me. I promise. It's still, there can't be anyone left on the, on the odd sheet for for next Spurs manager. Who, who is there? I mean, Postacoglu. He's he's the current favourite at five to two. Reports of him. Of him yesterday, Brendan Rodgers has never gone away. By the way, for the in the top three or four in the betting, there's been constant interest in Brendan Rodgers at five to one. Nagelsmann's been odds on; he's been thirty-three to one. He's back at eight to one. Who knows what's going on with him? Amarin, he's ten to one. Tim's man Lopetegui, he's he's thirty-three. He's into ten. Graham Potter's at ten. Thomas Frank has drifted out to fourteen. Ruud van Nistelrooy's been back this morning into fourteen to one. Luis Enrique at sixteen. Ryan Mason at 16, Glasner, De Zerbi, Spalletti, you name it, everybody has been punted. You, you were talking about Spurs, uh, Spurs were actually third favourites at the start of the season. It's been uh, yeah, it's been quite a ride. Long may it continue, guys. Mason 16 to 1 is interesting, isn't it? I mean, it feels like one of those manager searches yeah, where... Yeah, i it, we'll give it in. Eventually, yeah. yeah, I mean, if they beat Leeds nah. on final day, I mean, I, I think it would be an abhorrent appointment, but I've seen a lot of quite you know, learned, well-respected Spurs fans on social media yeah. just saying, yeah, same, yeah. let's just give it to Mason. I'm done with it. <laughs> That's very defeatist. 
They can't give it. He's I not mean, ready. I, too. I agree. He's not ready. But he's that's where we can't. are with, with with football managers these days. Where I don't understand why people like you know you sack Graham Potter, you bring in Frank Lampard, you sack Antonio Conte, and you bring in Ryan. Like people seem to forget that being a half decent footballer and having a relationship with the fans isn't really a prerequisite for being a good manager. Like you, it's a it's a first team coach. That's crazy football fandom, though, isn't it? You, yeah, abs- yeah, absolutely right, George. I've seen some yeah people who, whose opinion I really expect, respect. And they're Spurs fans, and that fandom just makes them think that they they want someone who sort of knows the club and understands the club. That's their only sort of basis for giving Ryan Mason the job, which I find absolutely astonishing. The mess yeah, that they're I in, agree. he can't be the man to sort that out. There's no evidence at all to suggest that Ryan Mason is worthy of a championship job at the moment. And not, I'm not saying just because there's no is is he tactically innovative? Is he a, a man a, a coach who can improve players? Like there's no evidence of this. Like when you're Tottenham Hotspur, you should be hiring someone who has a proven track record of ticking those boxes. Like they have a clear tactical identity, they're good motivators, players have developed under under their stewardship. Like that has to be what you do. You don't just go and say, Well, he's popular with the fans. So that Also that he's 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 had the job twice now. I think it was five games a couple of years ago after Mourinho got sacked. Probably a similar number now. And he's you know, that's that's ten games, a quarter of a season, and he's not he's not shown that he's capable of uh, turning them into a winning football team it's a pretty decent length audition to have you know and he hasn't mm. passed it I honestly think they'd, they'd be better off going looking at like overperforming managers in you know not even just the EFL but leagues beneath like people who've actually done this job and done it well like it, it, I find it bizarre that if you said to a Spurs fan right well Mike Duff's doing I, I'm not suggesting this just to say because <laughs> yeah. I sound ridiculous but, but if, you were to say, if you were to say Mike Duff's done a great job at Cheltenham and, and Barnsley you'd be laughed out, right? You'd be laughed out of it because it would be like, well, you know, this is League One stuff. Yet you promote an ex-player with no managerial experience whatsoever into a role. And it's like, yeah, let's give them the job and see how it goes. It blows my mind. Just, I mean, at this point, they may as well go full dream team, full Harchester United and give Harry Kane the player manager job. <laughs> probably the best chance they've got. I've, I've, I've genuinely, genuinely seen a Spurs fan suggest that. <laughs> Have you actually? <laughs> I'm, I'm purely joking, but someone made that as a serious suggestion. Yo, let me put him in the betting. Oh. If we're going to lay it, I'll put it in. Here we go. May as well put him in as a, as a 500 to one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't see Mike Duff getting getting any mentions from anyone else other other than George. He'll go to Burnley after company leaves. So that's that's that done. <laughs> Tim, just just going back to Villa, Emery's received loads of plaudits. He's, he's done an unbelievable job for Villa. I can't tell you the difference in watching my football team compared to what I was watching in the first 12 games or so. And he, he's a European Cup specialist as well. So if Villa qualify for Europe, you'd feel like they've got a decent chance of, of winning the trophy. But do you think it muddles things at Villa a little bit if they've, they've got multiple things to go for? Uh, no, not with not with the financial muscle that, that they have. Not with the manager that they have, obviously. Um, not with the squad. You know, it's, it's a smallest squad, but it's a decent sized squad that they already have. You know, you look, there's, there's a few good players, aren't in that first eleven at the moment, Dan, as you know, like Buendia, Diego Carlos, Dendonka's, you know, proven international and Premier League player. So yeah, they, they need to add to the squad. But Emery's the master at this. You know, he won the Europa League twice with Severe in two seasons, but still kept them fifth in the league. They finished twice. Twice finished fifth in La Liga when they when they won the tournament, and then with Villarreal when they won the Europa League, they they still finished seventh in La Liga. When they got to the semi-finals of the Champions League, they finished seventh again. So he's proven time and again that he can manage that schedule, take a, a team deep into the final stages of European competition, and still have a, a very good league finish. So that suggests you know he knows how to manage his squad, he knows how to prioritize one competition over the other when the time is right. 
and he doesn't burn his players out. So he's got a proven track record over many, many years of doing this. So he'll he'll know what to do. You know, they need additions for sure. You'll know more than me, yeah. Dan, but I think they need an obvious goal scorer or two, as well as, you know, to join Ollie Watkins. But there's no weaknesses in that 11 to address for me. It's just a case of building on it and bulking out the squad. But, um, but I'm sure they're capable of doing that. Yeah, Villa have got a lot of good young players coming back from the Championship who've been on loan, who I think Emery will want to have a look at. And if Villa are in Europe, they'll get a chance in, in the European group games, you'd assume. I think Villa don't need loads of additions because there's a, there's, a, there's a good base there. They've got one of the best goalkeepers in the world. The defence has been so, so solid. John McGinn's game has is, is improved no end under Unai Emery. And they, they have got some dangerous players moving forward. So I think it's a case of maybe bringing in three or four top players for Villa and then they've got that youth to facilitate as well and I think the squad will look a lot healthier next season and I'm praying that they are in Europe and, and talking of the Europa Conference League Steve West Ham are into the final they've got to play Fiorentina how do you make that one? Yeah tight game marginal favourite to their West Ham to win their first major trophy since since 1980 uh, and it's in Prague so you know, hopefully the the uh, the talking point will be about on the pitch instead of events off the pitch. I know there won't be many West Ham fans there, whether it's not the biggest ground in the world. So yeah, I'd no, love... it's no good that, no, no good at all. No, definitely not. I'd love to see uh, West Ham do this, and it's in a competition where you know you're you're looking like you might be next season down. But they've been really impressive, West Ham. Thirteen of the fourteen games are actually won this uh, this season, and uh, and the other game was a draw. So and we're all thinking about Declan Rice. Will this be his last game there as a West Ham player? And the odds certainly suggest so. With with Arsenal uh, odds on to be the the destination for the start uh, the start of the uh, the end of the transfer window, should I say? So Arsenal are five to six favourites to secure Declan Rice. And reports over the last few days of Manchester United also been interested. So Man United are four to one. We've also seen money for Manchester City at thirteen to two. That's the same price as West Ham, by the way, for him to still be there. Um, they've got Chelsea at eight, Bayern Munich at eight and Newcastle at 14. So Arsenal have always been favourites and it's always felt to me that he was going to go to Arsenal. We're going to finish this section with the trivia then. And here we go. What's Guy got for us this week? Only four times in Premier League history, the side bottom at Christmas has survived relegation. Name those teams, Steve. I'll let you let you oh, start us off. OK, uh, Sunderland. He's done oh, it nice. again, the little fella. <laughs> baggies. <laughs> He's done it again, the little fella. I'll let you have the baggies, George. I, uh, that was the obvious one. I Thank thought you. I'm not going to say that one. Two more. Come on, uh, Timothy. Come on, Timothy. He's yeah. done it again, the little fella. <laughs> Dying for the sweep. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the only two I would have got went, went straight away, I think. Let me have a quick think. Uh, no, they weren't, Bob. I've got a thought, but I'm not convinced it's right. Oh, no, I think it might Go be. Oh, He's saying? This is wrong. This is wrong. I'm going to feel horrific. He's saying? Is it Leicester? He's done it again, the little fella. Oh, lads, here we go. Yeah, well done. Seeing that, ending Move the season, end, ending the domestic season <laughs> yeah. really well. That normally takes Brilliant. 20 minutes, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit physically sick, to be honest. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Right then, before we continue with the podcast, please remember that if you are going to have a bet this weekend, make sure that you do so responsibly. George, you've got some helpful tips on how to make sure that we do just that. Yeah, it's important to us that the listeners of this podcast are in control of their gambling. This is a podcast for those who are 18 years of age and older. Please ensure that you are only staking what you can afford to lose and do visit BeGambleAware.org for any information to ensure that you're gambling responsibly. This is the weekend preview on The Athletic and now we're going to look at the end of season awards and any other business. So we're going to start with the biggest disappointment in the Premier League this season. I think there's possibly only only one answer. George, I'll come to you first. If I'm, getting, if I'm going first, well, I think I'm going to say a different one to what you're saying. Obviously, there is a, a big side, but I think in terms of, of, of Leicester City probably going down, given what they've come from, given they're Premier League winners fairly recently, FA Cup winners two seasons ago, for that for it to unravel to the extent that it has, given that, you know, the ambition of the club and the, you know, the training facilities and the rest of it there suggested they were going to try and break into the, you know, the basically do what Brighton and Brentford are trying to do at the moment and Villa. For them to end up back in the championship is is a is a catastrophic shortfall. So there would be my I mean Obviously, there are other teams who are disappointed, but it's not going to have the the impact and lasting effect that it's going to have for Leicester. Um, whereas they now need to find a way to to battle back and get themselves back in the top flight. If they do Tim. go down, I should say. If yes, big if. Tim, yeah, I'm I'm sad for Leicester if they go down. It's, but it's just part of their roller coaster, I guess. When you look at their last sort of twenty years, or you look at what they've done this century, they've won all three major trophies in English football. Very few clubs have done that. Um, they've been down to League One. Um, they've been to Champions League knockout stages, and now they, you know, they're going to get potentially be relegated again. It's 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 been an amazing journey. Um, yeah, I'll be sad if they go down, but obviously the right answer here is Chelsea because it's not it's not just the biggest underachievement you know of this season, but I, I think of of any Premier League season, I, it's astonishingly bad. I honestly think that they're an absolute laughing stock, to be honest. In particular, Todd Bowley, absolute laughing stock. I think I think it's um, yeah. The worst, the worst Premier League season, pound for pound, that, that's, that's ever happened, I would say. So I spent the money that they've spent in the last two transfer windows to go from third to twelfth and just look utterly terrible. There's no other answer, I, I don't think. But Steve, I'm going to come to you anyway. Is your answer Chelsea? It is, Dan. Yeah. You know, odds on. Long odds on to be finishing in the top four in the season for them to finish in the in the bottom half. It's, it's, it's pretty embarrassing. And I wonder if the icing on the cake would be... Now, this is a, quite a long shot. Poch not going to Chelsea. <laughs> He's got soccer aid to do first, hasn't he? Something to me does not smell, smell right there. Have we had it confirmed that he's 100% going to Chelsea? It's just lingering on too much for my... Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's massively long odds on that he's going to be the manager, but I, you know, people have stopped betting on it. But if there was one final twist in this horrible season for Chelsea, it just wouldn't surprise me if Pochettino decided, you know what? It's not for me and walked away. I mean, it's... Soccer ride would be a great experience for him of, of working with a, a team that's been cobbled together. In all fairness, it'll be, it'll be, be yeah. won't be too dissimilar working with a working with the soccer ride team than, <laughs> than it will be working with Chelsea. Yeah. In all honesty, yeah. I mean, a quick note for the biggest disappointment for for me this season. One of one of my biggest disappointments this season was that Tim called Wolves to be safe when when they weren't, and then they he was actually correct. That was that was a big disappointment. It's, it's, really, it's really annoying, isn't it? On, on this on this podcast, that did frustrate me immensely. I'm going to look now at overachievers for for the season, Steve. I'll start with you this time. Who are your overachievers? 
It's got to be Newcastle from from an odds point of view. They were a huge price to finish in the top four when they were struggling to win at the start of the season. You could also point to you know the likes of Fulham, Brentford. You know Villa was seven or two for relegation when Gerrard was there. But he lifted up the table. Brighton. There's so many, but. As, as someone who was, wasn't was totally sold on Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, I didn't totally believe the fairy tale of Bournemouth, to be honest with you, because I did spend a few quid. But I've, I've got to yeah, doff my cap to him and say that Newcastle have, uh, have been on an incredible journey and, and they're just so no no signs at all of it of it ending. So, yeah, good times in, the, in on Tyneside. Tim? Uh, I think at a push, you could, you could have made a case at the start of the season for Fulham... Uh, staying up if they're sort of and staying up well if they replicated what they how they played football in the championship uh, and I think you probably could have made a case for Newcastle pushing top four you know once they signed Isaac and once and then you look at Chelsea and Spurs struggling you know there's a, there's a space open there but nobody was making a case for Arsenal pushing Man City to the title you know into into May at the start of the season that's that's the most far-fetched of those three I think yeah George what's your answer yeah, I definitely agree. I think Arsenal, uh, you know, it, it's easy over the course of a 38-game season and, and the best part of a year to forget where we were at the start of the season. But I, <laughs> as I said on this pod, I thought Arsenal, if they had got off to a bad start, we'd, we'd see um, Mikel Arteta's job under pressure. But instead, he's now kind of solidified his, his status as one of the most uh, exciting managers in the game um, right now. And, you know, they have had an unbelievable season to finish where they're going to finish, even if... Um, you'll have Spurs fans saying they bottled the, the Premier League, which is not true. I'm going to have to go Fulham. I think I, I had them in the in my bottom three at the, at the start of the season. And then I watched them in that first game against Liverpool and, and thought they were absolutely brilliant, really, really unlucky not, not to win that day. I just thought this team looks like they've got something. They, they look organised. They look like they've got a plan. And they've never been in trouble, which I think is a, is a massive achievement. Just just on Arsenal, Steve, where do they sit on the title odds next season? Second favourites and a lot, a lot shorter than they were at the start of uh, this season because they were sixty-six to one really at the start of the season, and they are seven to one second favourites now. No surprises for guessing that Manchester City are very warm favourites at four to six, and then you have Liverpool at eight to one, the same price as Manchester United with uh, Pochettino's Chelsea. <clears throat> we'll have to wait and see. I'm only joking, of course. Twelve to one, and Newcastle at fourteen with Spurs at forty, Brighton at fifty. Aston Villa, the mighty Lions at 150 to 1. And Luton or Coventry will be about 3,000 to 1. So there you go. When either one of those gets promoted at the weekend. There's been a record 16 managerial changes this season, but which appointment has been best, Tim? Which What do you think? Uh, I think it's got to be De Zerbi. Lopetegui, obviously, Emery have done fantastic jobs, but they have taken over underachieving, struggling teams, made a few, you know, Simple changes in terms of personnel and tactics and turn things around. But the difference with De Zerbi, it's so much more difficult, I think, to take a club massively on the up and at what the highest point in their history, Brighton and under, mm-hmm. under Potter at the end of that season, start this to, to, to go from that high level to come in and, and improve them and make them a better football team and, and finish six. I think it's, it's one of the best, jo- one of the best sort of jobs we've ever seen in the Premier League, really, in terms of, in terms of what he's done this season. Steve. Yeah, I agree with Tim. Yeah, he's, he's he's basically said it all. So I think, of course, your man has, has obviously done superbly well, Dan, as well. But uh, I've talked enough about Villa. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Deserby. Yeah, I, I think in Deserby we've we've possibly got one of the most exciting, best tacticians in world football at the moment at Brighton. Um, from what we've seen in the, the in the first few months of his stewardship, I think he's destined for the top. And I think 
what he's done there and the football that they play, um, the goals that they score, like the equaliser against City being the latest of you know a combination. You don't see many incredible passing team moves from back to front, back to front again that, that ends in a 30-yard scream into the top right-hand corner. But um, yeah, they're, he is the person right now that if I was, if you were hiring for a manager for, for City, for Bayern Munich, for Real Madrid, he's the one you'd want to think. Yeah, I think... You know, stereotypically Spurs looking for a manager now, you'd think, oh, they could go and pull De Zerbe from Brighton. But I actually don't think they can. I think he's right. now, He, you're right. I think you're looking potentially there at the next Manchester City or Liverpool manager, De Zerbe. I, th- I think he's that good, but he's not not my answer. If they can get him. Yeah, my, my answer, is, it's got to be Unai Emery. Because, just because Villa were going down under Steven Gerrard, absolutely pathetic same players he hasn't made that many changes to, to personnel Unai Emery and for Villa to be in the discussion and to be the favourites to qualify for the Conference League going into the last game of the season that that absolutely blows my mind it's now time for the one that nobody wants the worst managerial appointment George I'll come to you first on this one yeah there's a couple um, and you know we've got a short list here but in, in my mind it's <laughs> probably Lampard back at Chelsea personally um you know that I know that it may not really matter given where they are, and I, and I know that a lot of Chelsea fans might say, "Well, we were bad when he came in," but I think he's made them much, much worse. I think going out and hiring Graham Potter to a long-term contract and then tearing that contract up, having brought in a whole raft of new players in January, um, effectively buckling to fan pressure, was understandable. But to replace him with with someone who had been sacked previously two months before. I think in my mind, it's basically just symptomatic of everything that's wrong with decision-making at the top end of football right now. So that would be my my pick. I was going to say Stellini, but I actually, uh, uh, George has persuaded me there that, yeah, that's a shocking appointment. It's got to be Lampard. You're not going to say Nathan Jones, are you, Steve? Definitely not. No, I'm his biggest fan. No. I'm not going to say anything bad about uh, the great man, the Welsh wizard. No. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, I mean, Gracia... Sam Allardyce appointment. I mean, what's you know, what's the point? You know, four games to go. I mean, does it ever work appointing appointing that late? Just yeah, those two, those two for me. But I'm I'm agreeing with Tim and George. Yeah, Frank Lampard is he's, he's top of the list by some way. I'm going to caveat my answer by saying I absolutely love Dean Smith and I'm not having a dig at him at all. But to me, Leicester to leave it so long to sack Rogers and then to waste games where they had a temporary manager in charge and not have a plan of what to do, and then they end up hiring Dean Smith. I just think losing those two games that they had in the interim has really, really cost them. And I just think the timing of that decision was just bizarre when it was clear, you know, it was a marriage of convenience between Leicester and Rogers all season. If you were going to do it, do it earlier on in the season. I just think they've given they've give, give, give themselves an absolute mountain to climb. So although it wasn't the worst managerial appointment. And that was the worst decision that was made on the, the absolute Fruit Loop managerial ride. <laughs> this, That's your Christmas card list. No, no, Dean, Dean knows. Dean Smith knows how I feel about him. He's, he's, a, he's a great manager and he'll, he'll be a good manager somewhere else in the, in the future. But he's walked into Leicester too late. But those wasted two games, I think, have, have really cost Leicester going into the final game of the season. Right, finally then, looking ahead to next season, which club needs the most work in the transfer window ahead of next season? Steve, I guess, I guess it's Chelsea. They haven't signed any players for a while. No, no, they haven't. Uh, they are currently they are fifth favourites to do to win the league next season, Dan, at, at 12. Fifth favourites? Yeah, at, no at 12 to 1. That's, that's with Poch there in the seat. Still no. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, it's... Uh, I think because they've been that bad, I think we're 
we're looking at it and, and, and thinking there's so much scope for improvement there at the football club and whether they buy. But I did read that over the last couple of days about cutting a lot of wages and, and stuff like that. So maybe it, it might not be a happy camp whenever people are losing, not, not being paid as much. I don't think uh, it's a happy camp, is it, in the dressing room? So that's that's a wait and see. Well, Manchester United are obviously the big ones. They were 33 at the start of last season. They lost their last two games. I think they were about 100 to 1 after those two games. And to see him at single figures, to see him odds on to finish in the in the top four again next season. Uh, so it, it all points, you know, very good for for Eric Ten Hag what he's done to get him in the Champions League. And then there's a lot of chat about about Harry Kane, you know, being linked as well. So he's uh, it's another one of those markets, Dan, that has just been absolutely crazy over the last few days. You can't. I I react to you know the news that you read on the Athletic and and other outlets as well. Um, just looking at the odds here, he's odds on to be a Manchester United player at the end of the transfer window at ten to eleven, with Spurs at six to four, and Real Madrid were back yesterday from from thirty three to one to eight to one. Um, so it's just been a just been a crazy market, and and the odds would shorten on Manchester United. Would, would they be able to uh, secure the signature of, of, of Harry Kane? That's pretty sure. I mean, it was lovely work from Steve there, but I'm not convinced he actually answered my question. Tim, Tim, can you answer the question? I would say if less if Leicester stay up, there's an astonishing amount of work to do there because not only will several players leave, you know, including you say Madison, probably Barnes, Tielemans has gone, Vardy's 36, Johnny Evans is 35. Um, both keepers have been error prone. You think they have to bring in a keeper? That's more than half a team already. Let alone the fact that the ones I haven't mentioned there have mostly underperformed. So if if they stay up, I mean, you know. I don't know. I don't know what their odds are for relegation next season, Steve. If they were to stay up, but they'd, they'd be my favourites immediately because um, there's a huge amount of work to do there. And George, yeah, two for me. <clears throat> both probably going to be losing key players in, in Kane and Rice. I think West Ham, if they lose Rice and they don't recruit um, properly, are in massive danger of getting relegated next season. I think Tottenham, if they lose Harry Kane, I mean, who knows what's going to happen next season? They need players in basically every single area of the pitch. So there'd be, you'd think they're going to have the money to do so. And I think probably even if either Kane or Rice do stay, they, they need massive surgery on that squad. Yeah, I've got kind of got two answers as well. I don't think they necessarily need the most, but I think they're two areas of, of massive concern. I think Tottenham sorting that defence out. They've got to do something there. It's mm. beyond style. And they're probably in the market for a new goalkeeper as well, which is always an important position to get right. And I'm interested to see what Liverpool do with their midfield because that needs a little bit of, of surgery there. So I think they'll both be active in the transfer window. Quick word on Neymar before we go, Steve. Are we going to see him in the Premier League? Oh, this is another incredible market. He's, he's odds on to still be at PSG 8-11, to 11, but Manchester United have been backed. There's been news of that over, over the last few days, which... I just can't see. What would you, unless there's a change of ownership and a marquee signing, why, why on earth would you want to sign Neymar and all the baggage that he brings? Uh, no thanks. Uh, 11 of 4 United, 13 to 2 Chelsea, 10 to 1 Newcastle have also been punted. So, yeah, just just crazy. But Manchester United at 11 to 4, personally, I'll be, I'll be laying that all day long. But yeah, come and see me in September and uh, there'll be some egg on my face, maybe. It feels very, very Todd Bowley, James Corden, if Neymar's coming to the Premier League. It really, really does. It feels like that transfer committee would like to have a little bit of a look at Neymar. 
So, those, so for the final time this season, here's your rundown of the weekend's games, all kicking off at 4.30 on Sunday. Those key relegation games see Everton host Bournemouth, Leicester at home to West Ham and Leeds welcoming Spurs to Elland Road. Spurs, of course, still in contention of finishing seventh along with Aston Villa, who are at home to Brighton and Brentford still in contention for Europe as well, welcome the champions Manchester City. Elsewhere, it's Arsenal v Wolves, Chelsea Newcastle, Manchester United against Fulham, Southampton at home to Liverpool and Palace take on Forest. And Steve, it's over to you for the six scores challenge. We were the stinker again last week, didn't we? Oh, you're going to miss this, guys, aren't you? I know you're going to miss this. We've all <laughs> we've all thoroughly enjoyed getting these wrong throughout the season, haven't we? George, Chelsea, Newcastle. Nil, two. Ooh. Two nil Newcastle. Okay. Everton, Bournemouth. One nil Everton. Okay. Uh, Tim, Leeds, Spurs. One nil to Leeds. Okay. Leicester, West Ham? Uh, one all. Okay. Daniel, Manchester United, Fulham? 2-1 to Manchester United. Okay. And Southampton, Liverpool? 4-0 to Liverpool. Okay. Cheers, fellas. I'm sure that'll be a nice tasty zero out of six as normal from us. And that's it from us here at the Weekend Preview. The Athletic Football Podcast will be back on Monday following the final day action. Until then, enjoy your weekend and thanks ever so much for listening. The Athletic.